Our first reading is the 65th Psalm. If you'd like to follow along, it's printed in the bulletin announcements. And in preparation to hearing our scripture this morning, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, that in your will we may discover your peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise is due you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who answers prayer, to you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength you established the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at Earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the Earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 9 through 14. And if you'd like to follow along, it's also printed in the back of your bulletin insert. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, 
standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Here ends our reading. What is it that you think we're doing here as Christians? Or at least as people associated with Christianity gathered at church? Living in the Bay Area brings with it opportunities to reflect on this question. Opportunities to self-define as we disentangle ourselves from assumptions. Opportunities to choose when to speak and when to pass just another in the crowd. At its simplest for me, showing up here Gathering as community, being in dialogue with the Bible, even living with the waves of ambivalence that come with being so closely associated with Christianity as a minister person, is about exploring and acknowledging what it is to be human. That's what I'm interested in, how we get through this life the ways we find meaning, the ways we persevere, the ways we stumble on joy. Each time I put words down on a page for our Sunday ritual together, inevitably it is a love letter to being human. It assumes that our well-being is connected to the pursuit of living a life of integrity. The only way I know to do that, to live a life of integrity, is to be honest about life, to paint pictures, moments of being found human again. The humor, the challenge, the beauty. And so I choose, week after week, to stay in conversation with the stories of our ancestors as I try to honor my own, that love might win. That's what I see in the Pharisee and the tax collector, our shared humanity. I know that feeling of being the righteous one. I know the arrogance. I'm familiar with the fight to be justified and the moment when I finally free myself from needing to have been right. I know the roller coaster of still having to work it out, the forgiveness I now need, trying to manage the embarrassment, the challenge of accepting that very thing I say I love, my humanity. Thank goodness freedom comes. Thank goodness even when we've been the despised one, we find ourselves home again, human again.
When we're in the loneliness of the pit, and we can't yet see the light of home, it's helpful to be reminded of the life that exists beyond it. Mary Oliver is a queen in this regard, leading us into the wild and surprising us with home. She writes, I too have known loneliness. I have known what it is to feel misunderstood, rejected, and suddenly not at all beautiful. Oh, Mother Earth, your comfort is great. Your arms never withhold. It has saved my life to know this. Your rivers flowing, your roses opening in the morning. Oh, motions of tenderness. When I think of her poems, I imagined them as a love letter to the world. Over and over again, she finds herself at home in nature, as if stunned each time. With words like plump, delicate and terrifying, blackberries swollen, Glittering with rain, black honey of summer, rumpled sea, humpbacks carrying their tonnage of barnacles and joy, delicious walk in the rain. I can't help but catch her delight. Suddenly, I'm there with her, found. Sometimes, I need to have my life read back to me. I need to have the Mary Olivers tell me again what it is to be a person living and transcending and dying and dreaming and tasting. It's what's so luscious about the 65th Psalm. After what was likely a season of drought or hardship, no doubt something for which the people felt responsible and in need of forgiveness, we get to enjoy with them the river of God, full of water, softening the earth with showers. We get to see God's goodness everywhere as the green grasses and grains grow, rich and overflowing along wagon tracks. When I've been in the temple praying, a Pharisee or a tax collector, Psalm 65 is a welcome reminder of life beyond the pit. Imagining the scene, my shoulders relax. It's a place where I want to stay for a while, look around, and let the soft animal of my body soak in the sunlight, the spacious sky, 
and the meadow with playful flowers. This place where hills and valleys shout for joy. It is full of the kind of buoyancy that comes, as Mary Oliver would say, when the lead hoof is raised from your chest. Suddenly, every sign of life, every hello, is sweet. Rivers flowing and roses opening are motions of tenderness. For Luke, to pray is not only a depiction of worship, but a bringing of one's full self. The jumble of self-righteous parts, the effort in still discerning, the energy to speak and the fatigue, the care for one another, the gratitude, apathy, the solitude and the connection, the noise and the quiet, attentiveness and floating. As we enter the temple of Jerusalem with the Pharisee and tax collector and the temple of the earth with the psalmist and Mary Oliver, we are invited to honor their offerings and those we bring with them. Our full selves, the humor, the challenge, the beauty. Delighting in what was born I imagine God offering her whole self back. But how does one convey such a prayer of love? Reaching out her hand, I imagine her taking a page from Mary Oliver and placing an exquisite piece of fruit in our hand that we might gaze upon its beauty Greet rich colors once hidden. Discover its textures and feel its weight before we taste the sweet water filling our cheeks. Just one piece is enough. The taste, the texture, the colors, her offering surprises us with home. That gentle place we practice living where love wins. <laughs>